Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here. Welcome to Fightful. It's May 29th, 2023. We're here to review AEW Double or Nothing. It's been an insane weekend. I'll get the plugs out of the way in a few minutes. We got Julie Cutler here, who is uh, our, our regular here on post-AEW pay-per-views now. Julie, how you doing? I am. I I have a lot of feelings right now, Sean. Let's be honest here. <laughs> I have a lot, a lot of. I have a lot of feelings about this show. So I feel like this is going to be a very interesting one to review because I'm kind of feeling all over the place about it right now. But I am very glad to be back with the fightful faithful. I know I do watch and try to chime in on the live chat for some of the other shows pretty regularly, and I tend to see a lot of the same names coming up that watch on a regular basis so i feel very attached to this little community that we have here and i'm just happy to be back well we're glad to have you uh guys we're gonna have more backstage news than anywhere else thanks to fightfulselect.com we'll be, we'll be bringing you scrum notes as well so uh, you don't have to sit through that in case it's kind of tedious we're gonna have any important notes here for you on the Fightful Post Show. We've got shows here every night on Fightful. Monday Raw, Tuesday NXT, Wednesday AEW, Thursday is ROH and Impact, uh, Friday is SmackDown, and now Saturday is Collision. For those of you who don't know, starting this month, we've got Riccicino, Iridium Fierro, and Crest of the Star that are going to be doing the AEW Collision Post Show I will be dropping in on both the SmackDown and Collision post shows as an insider when applicable. So when there's something big that's happening and uh, we've got news to break on there, uh, we're going to be on there. I'm going to try to figure out something to where I can do a SmackDown and Collision review on FightfulSelect.com, which uh, is our $5 a month service. Gives you exclusive news. Had a whole bunch of news tonight on AEW Double or Nothing right after, I mean, seconds after Jade Cargill got pinned. We had news on her next steps, uh, news on Chris Statlander. We had a bunch of little backstage tidbits today. We had news on a, a mandatory AEW meeting that they went over. Lots of cool stuff there. Just $5 a month. And you had like four or five podcasts this weekend. We had Rob Wilkins doing uh, preview shows. We've got Alex and Kate doing review shows over there. Plus, you get my Q&A show every week. You get my backstage report every week. My list goes on podcasts every week. Uh, the Steven Jensen Weekender podcast and Scott Edwards Japanese wrestling podcast select style. So check that out. Fightfulselect.com. We would greatly appreciate it. But hey, if you're here right now, you want to get your question, you want to get your statement in, leave a super chat here at youtube.com slash fightful. Leave a humper chat over at humperchats.com. 
that uh, that is our uh, Streamlabs platform. Head over there as well. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. We first off want to wish our friend Vicky uh, best of luck with her surgery this week. But we do have some super chats. Meet Normus saying hi, Julie Cutler. Meet Normus. Oh, he's my favorite. We go way back. If you, if anybody watches the NXT post show on Tuesdays with Alex and Kate, you know, uh, Meet Normus is one of the folks that's very active in the chat over there. Yes, he is. So, hello, Meet Normus. Good to see you. Zach Schimmel, who's long been one of our biggest supporters, I mean, from Fightful Select to even before then, I've done some retro reviews with him, dropped 100 on a super chat saying, just enjoy wrestling and support Fightful. My friend, I cannot tell you how important uh, that is to us. Thank you so much. It's been a long weekend and a lot of good wrestling. Night of Champions, NXT Battleground, Impact Under Siege, uh, SmackDown. We've got reviews for all of them. Uh, Scott Edwards will have the the New Japan stuff this week as well, but we do have. It's time to talk double or nothing. Well, let's head. Up, let's go ahead and get into it. Anthony Velasquez says found this pay per view a bit weird at times with some booking choices, but I still had fun with this show and that four pillars match was a banger. Yep, uh, my God, uh, this this was a hell of a match. That we're going to get into later, but. A constant thread throughout this show, Julie, will be the crowd. Now, I know some pictures had emerged yes. and more empty than usual. Now, WrestleTix yes. said that over 10,000 tickets were sold. But, I mean, I've been there when they, they sold a hell of a lot more than that for AW Double or Nothing. I was there four years ago for the hottest crowds I've ever seen. At this point, as Sam Stuckey says, they've Las Vegas has become Corpus Christi. Like what, what they've become to WWE. It's the worst crowd I've ever witnessed. What's going on? I wouldn't say the worst crowd I've ever witnessed, but for AEW double or nothing, Julie, this crowd was so underwhelming. It reminded me a lot of those Ring of Honor Samstown live crowds. Granted, they were 10 times as big, but they they gotta they need to move out of Vegas for double or nothing next yeah, year. Yeah, I'm actually I'm glad that other people also kind of had that same feedback because I'm so I'm not on Twitter right now and I know that there were a lot of pictures and a lot of there was a lot of chatter about the crowd going on on Twitter because if you did see any photos of the side uh, behind the hard cam, it was very empty in some of the lower sections and i'm assuming they did that on purpose trying to fill in the other side and sort of filling in like the bleachers and the nosebleeds on the other side so that it would look good on camera and then just like not be able to really see behind the hard cam um but i know that there were pictures going around on twitter and there were a few very seldom here and there a few spots like during anarchy in the arena where you could kind of catch a glimpse just out of the corner of the opposite side of the arena being pretty empty and I, I thought that that was an interesting choice just in terms of like tickets that they chose to sell because if you were looking straight on I mean it looked like the the nosebleeds you could see people sitting like way up high on the on the side across from the hard cam so I just thought that was an interesting choice to sell those tickets I'm assuming just because they thought that it would look better for TV as opposed to some of the lower ones on the other side. And I did notice as well, even um, the lower section across from the hard cam, probably just people, you, you know, getting up here and there. I, 
I did notice some of the empty seats. And that was one situation where I said, oh, well, this is kind of why I understand why they use seat fillers sometimes, because in this scenario, sure. it, would, it would look better just from a TV perspective. But like do Atlanta, do Miami, do Seattle, yeah. do do literally anywhere else. Uh, I don't care. Dallas, I'd, I'd rather go anywhere but Las Vegas. Like, La And Las Vegas on Double or Nothing weekend, which is always Memorial Day weekend, these hotel rooms are two to five hundred bucks a night. Like yeah. it's, it's just like what, don't you you can't treat your fan base like they can afford to just blow everything to come to these shows on holiday weekends, or just do it a week later or something, or a week sooner. Just go somewhere else, right? And I think also it's it's cool that Double or Nothing is in Vegas just based on the whole theme of the show. But I also feel like because they've done it for a couple of years in a row now, it's kind of lost that sort of sense of um, what I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for. It doesn't feel as special anymore. It doesn't yeah. feel as special as the first couple of times that you do a show in Vegas and everyone gets together in Vegas for the weekend. Now it's kind of like starting to become old hat a little bit. So it's kind of like, okay, well, how can we switch this up and maybe cater to fans in other parts of the country that haven't gotten to see AEW live much yet? I know they've been doing much more travel on the West Coast these past several months, which has been sort of new territory for them because the first couple of years, they really didn't venture out that way too much. So it seems like they're starting to cover more land in terms of where they're doing live shows. But I think that this was a good example of Vegas just sort of getting burnt out after, you know, a couple of years in a row of the same thing. I think we're ready for something new and different and fresh to keep things interesting, especially right now. I think that the general feedback that I've been hearing is that it feels like wrestling's going through a little bit of a lull right now. I think partially because the NBA playoff season has been like pretty, so good, so good and pretty, Jesus, his, yeah. pretty historical. Um, I'm a, a Boston, Boston, Massachusetts girl. So like we were rather than do Boston, we, we were having a meltdown over the Celtics the other night, but I think that's taken away some attention mm -hmm. from wrestling. And then also WWE has been doing really well with some of their, um, like upper mid card main event storytelling. And that's probably detracted a little bit from AEW. So I think there's just multiple factors that kind of went into this show feeling a little bit less yeah. exciting perhaps than the well, previous I think they've years. Done, I think they've done a good job since November. Like they did Newark, San Francisco, yes. they got London, they got exactly. Toronto. And that's going to be huge. That's yeah, going to be They've got a lot of, of, potential future venues uh Absolutely. parker parker uh well we had the super chat up there and it is now gone he says oh theme double or nothing as western too. come to arizona i mean that'd be cool phoenix would be great as well phoenix would be great uh b man b mandible says regarding the crowd is it possible to return to a hot time a hot town too many times like could this happen to chicago eventually yeah it could i mean look at Look at New Japan struggling to sell tickets in California as well. Even when you got Mercedes on the show, it's because they, they've run that same area so many times. It could absolutely happen to Chicago. Curtis says, I do not understand why it felt like every match at AEW is overbooked and confusing. A ref stoppage in an unsanctioned match. Jade being booked in two matches tonight. 
didn't understand the vision, but I'm excited to hear your all's takes. Well, we're about to get into all that. Uh, I, I do agree there was a lot of, of overbooked stuff, but Buzz Lightyear says, uh, what a way to cap off my 40th. Well, happy birthday to you. He says, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, the okay. 500... The 500 just down the street and an amazing double or nothing. Kids stole the show. Well, let's go ahead and get into this show. We got Hook and the Hardys beating Ethan Page and the Guns. There were there was a scary Jeff Hardy spot, which apparently was planned, but still, man, it, it looked rough. And as we had noted on Select, this is the longest Jeff Hardy's ever been without wrestling. A full year from last double or nothing to this double or nothing. As a result of this, Ethan Page's contract now belongs to Matt Hardy. So we should see some entertaining stuff here. I've really liked them working together. Hook is naturally going to get the win, but it does feel like the guns are just kind of spinning their wheels. But I am, I, in retrospect, it's probably good that they got that tag title run because that does add a little bit more value to them. I agree. I mean, I think in wrestling, it's just sort of a natural cycle that you're not for most people you're not always going to be the star you're not always going to be booked towards the top of the card all of the time um i think we did see a lot of good stuff out of the guns this past year i definitely think and i've said this before i think that both their in-ring performance and just the way that they carry themselves as performers the way that they taunt their opponents the way they taught the the way they taught the audience, I think that their presentation far exceeds the amount of experience that they actually have. I can't remember specifically which, what year Colton Gunn trained, but I know that he had trained at Flatbacks with um, Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze. I think it was like 22. It was... I they wanna... start. He started after uh, Austin had. Started yeah, because... I don't want to quote an exact year because I'd have to double check. But it was a couple, just a couple of years ago. Like he hasn't really yeah. been in this that long, and to be presenting at the level that he is, obviously having Billy Gunn as your father probably helps you a little bit as well. Having grown up in this world and having that sort of guidance behind you probably helps tremendously, but. I, I will say that their presentation for me far exceeds the amount of experience that they've actually had to get up to this point. And that says a lot, I think, just for like their natural ability as athletes and performers. Um, I thought this match for a pre-show match. I mean, I thought it was uh, what it needed to be. I thought it was fun. It was nice to see Jeff Hardy and the, and the Hardy boys back in action. Um and and there were there were definitely some spots where like I got some some classic Jeff Hardy vibes. There was the swanton that he did that broke up one of the pinfalls, and I said, "Okay, now we're getting like our classic Jeff Hardy back." So it's just, I was surprised he made that. I was surprised he made it. Yes, but it, it did make me feel good just to say like, "Okay, he's he's doing well. He's in good health. He's back in action. He's doing what he is passionate about doing." And then the fact that he and Matt and Hook got the win, of course, kind of giving Hook that little moment to shine. I thought that that was well done. And Ethan Page is such a great entertainer. I do think it'll be very interesting to see how the storyline between him and Matt Hardy carries out. I feel like the two of them, they've done a lot of stuff together. And I do feel like they work 
well together. The one thing that I'm interested in is I feel like I've heard a lot of rumblings over the course of the past several months that Matt's going to go broken again. And so I'm curious to see how this all ties together. After that, we had the entrances for the yes. uh, Blackjack of Battle Royal, a full like 10 minutes of entrances that led to the pay-per-view. Go ahead. Which I thought was so, I actually thought that was very smart because yeah. number one, if you're just watching the the pre-show and you're like not sure about whether or not you're going to buy in, once you see all the entrances and you start to get invested and you realize you're not going to be able to watch the actual match unless you buy the pay-per-view, I thought that that was very smart to set it up like that. Um, just to to get people invested, they see someone that they like come out. And this match had a lot of really good big names in it. You start to see all these big names come out. And then you're thinking, oh, well, if I want to see the actual match, then I need to buy this right now. And the other thing is, too, I think sometimes, um, you know, like I said, not everybody is going to be the star of the show all of the time. And so there are a lot of big names in this match that maybe would normally be featured somewhere else on the card, but they just don't have the time to do that tonight. And I thought it was nice to at least give them their entrance, give them some time to shine. Cause like your entrance is your time. That's yeah, absolutely. Your, that's your time to take up and, and show the audience who you are if they don't already know who you are. So I like that they at least gave everybody in that match a little bit of a moment and a little bit more time than just trying to squeeze the match into the pre-show. Yeah, the, the start of this match certainly wasn't for me. I'm not a big fan of people like just chilling outside the ring and battle royals and stuff like that. I, I, I'm a sucker for battle royals, but like those, like in situations like that, I'm not big on that. I was never big on like Leva Bates jumping on the book and walking on the, the <laughs> ground, like all that stuff. So the beginning, have you guys seen Chuck Norris lately? He's still kicking butt, staying active well into his 80s. What's even more shocking is he looked more jacked than ever and seems to have more energy than guys half his age. And it's all thanks to Morning Kick, a revolutionary new daily drink from Roundhouse Provisions that combines ultra-potent greens like spirulina and kale with probiotics, prebiotics, collagen, and even ashwagandha. Just mix it with water, stir, and enjoy. Unlike the other green drinks out there, this one tastes exactly like strawberry lemonade, has hundreds of five-star reviews. I love the taste of this. I love the way that I feel after drinking it. I've never felt better. My digestion is smoother. Body looks leaner. I have energy all day. I just feel younger. And the flavor is so much better than other green drinks. Go to roundhouseprovisions.com slash Fightful for up to 44% off your regular priced order. Every purchase is packed with a 90-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to experience smoother digestion, boost of energy, and overall a healthier body, go to roundhouseprovisions.com slash Fightful today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ending of this match wasn't really for me, but I will say that throughout this match, a lot of people got some shine. Brian Cage did. Uh, Juice and, and Jay White did. Ricky Starks definitely did. Uh, there, were, there were certain spots to maximize about half the people in here. We had Brian Cage getting a big elimination with Keith Lee. You've got the Keith Lee swerve thing, which not only should that match have been tonight, it should have been at Revolution. Should have been a yeah. long time ago. I feel like that should have been a long time ago, too. I mean, I'm all for a good long-term slow burn storyline, but I don't know that this needed to continue for as long as it has. I think it'll go to like, I think it'll probably have the first collision be that. But Commander had a really, really good spot as well. He did. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in here. Like Big Bill looked really, really great. Uh, Dustin Rhodes got a little bit of shine, but also progressed the story between he and Swerve. There were a lot of little things here that I think can build up to the future, but I absolutely loved the finish. The finish was like a miniature match between Orange Cassidy and Swerve. And I I had predicted Orange Cassidy to win this match and to continue uh, continue on with this title, but like they they had me sold a little bit that the swerve might end up taking it away. And there was so much back and forth, so much with this. And again, there were some eliminations I looked at and I was like, ah, oh, that sucked because people would throw their own legs over the top rope right. and then like fall. <laughs> and then I'm like, why aren't they just rolling back in the ring? You have to really suspend your disbelief for battle royals sometimes. But this was so cool and so simple swerves hanging on to the rope and orange Cassidy is like about to leave his feet to, to Superman punch him. And he's like, no, I'm just going to kick his leg off. Yeah. Kick his I, arm did, off. I thought that that was great. And I also thought that it was just perfect for orange Cassidy's character. I do agree with you about the beginning of the match. So many people fighting and kind of hanging out outside of the ring. I didn't really love that. I feel like sometimes there might be like one or two people that sort of use that as a strategy. And sometimes it kind of goes unnoticed until later in the match when they pop back up and we're like, oh, we forgot so-and-so is even part of this. But I didn't love that they started so much of it outside of the ring. I feel like maybe on the ref's part, there, there should have been like a more organized effort to actually start everyone in the ring. Um, that wasn't... That wasn't my favorite because then I just felt like so many people were coming in at different times. But there were a lot of really good spots. It was brought to my attention that Brian Cage's ring gear was a tribute to Zangief from the Street Fighter video game franchise, which I thought was very cool. Um, And I did think that there were a lot of people that got really good showings in this match. I was not surprised that Orange retained. But the final four that they had, I was really glad to see Big Bill there. And he looks phenomenal. I mean... He's been like such a redemption story over the course of these past couple of years. It's also really nice just to see him like in great shape, doing well, getting big opportunities. Um, And then having 
Penta and Swerve there as well, alongside Orange Cassidy. I thought it was a good group, and it was a believable, a believable group of people. Where I was like, okay, at this at this point, like I kind of be fine with any of these guys walking away with the championship. But this was a really stacked match. Um, I thought it was a solid I, I'm, way. I'm over seeing Penta do this four times in a match. <laughs> He brings the match to a screeching halt every time. And twice in this match, it backfired on him. At some point, yes. he just looks dumb doing it. And I'm like, I get it. It's over. He does it. Right. Like, stop doing it four or five times in a match while people just look at you. Right. It, well, it makes it, everybody else look dumb, too. Because if they're just waiting for him to do it, then why they are don't you look any better. Yeah. Right. It's like if you're going to do it. If you have a spot where maybe like your opponents are down on the outside of the ring and you've got the ring to yourself and you have a second to do it, then okay, it's over. You can do it. But I wouldn't just, I wouldn't advise stopping the action or interrupting the action to do your taunt, especially in a battle royal where you're surrounded by a lot of other people. Um, but I did think, aside from that, I did think that there were a lot of cool spots. We saw the little commander spot where he did the walk all the way across the top rope, which I thought was He really walloped cool. Lee Moriarty. Lee Moriarty got creamed on that thing. Yes, he did. And um, there there were a number of... So I'm trying Big to Bill's boot was really good, the boot Big, over the top. Big Bill looked really good. I like that they're starting to feature him more and more. I feel like there's a lot of people that they've brought into AEW in some capacity, maybe not like under a full contract when they come in, but then they kind of start to showcase them more and more over time and eventually sign them as part of the main roster. And I'm, I'm glad that they're giving him um, that opportunity. Uh, I've always loved his, I'm a big Dustin Rhodes fan. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Dustin Rhodes fan. I have Goldust entrance music as my alarm clock, Sean. It's been my alarm clock for like years now. And so anytime I, I get to see him shine as well, he looked phenomenal when he came out there tonight. I, I thought that this was a good showing. And I generally think that the people that they ended the match with were good, believable choices. There weren't a lot of people. I mean, there were people that I like that got eliminated early, but I think it's just because it was such a stacked match yeah. to begin with where you had a lot of good competitors. We have James Stalling says it could help to get Nick Wayne in the fold. He will be uh, very soon when he turns 18, he'll be there. Parker Hines says, calling it now, Swerve takes OC's title. That would I would love that. I would absolutely I would love, love that. that. I love I love to see a, a run from him, like a nice long title run from him. And Trey Cash, who's always very generous to us at the Humber Chat, says having Jay White, the hottest free agent signing in the Battle Royal, was a flat out embarrassment. What is TK doing? Well, he's only been there about six weeks. I do like that he's involved with Juice and Ricky Starks because they're very entertaining. They're now involved with FTR. Uh, we, we can talk about a little bit of that now, but there's not that much to address. FTR and Ricky helped run them off. But I think that Collision is going to be a huge benefit for Ricky Starks, Juice Robinson, and Switchblade Jay White. I think it's a very, very important thing to have two more hours for them. And the way that I've put it, I don't know this for sure, but AEW seems like they've booked Switchblade Jay White. Like they almost didn't expect to get him. <laughs> because I thought that WWE was going to go after him hard, but they've had that hiring freeze. But I think yeah. Collision will benefit all three of them. 
I will say one final thought that I had in the Battle Royal that I just forgot about until um, reading some of these comments. One of my big Battle Royal pet peeves, it happened one time in this match, and I don't remember who specifically it was, but one of my biggest Royal Rumble or Battle Royal pet peeves is when one competitor is going to eliminate another competitor. They're working on weakening them so that they can get them out of the ring. And then someone else comes over and attacks that person. Yep. And I'm like, why don't you just help them eliminate that? Why are you stopping them from eliminating somebody? Like help them eliminate the other person first and then go after them. But that's, that's me being nitpicky. I only saw that once that I can recall here and it drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you there. Unless, unless it's like a big bill situation where they need to work together to, to kind of get him out. But yeah. Orange Cassidy wins. He retains. Fan Twinblade says, oh, what a night. Uh, D-Dub says, St. Louis still never got their pay-per-view after they moved full gear. I would rather that than, than Las Vegas at this point. Just Las yeah. Vegas proved tonight it's not a, a white, hot crowd. Also, you've done the market so many times. I get the novelty of it. Let's move on. Flame Inc. says, with Collision coming to Saturday, my day off, Finally get to watch AEW to see if I like it or not. Don't hate AEW, just feeling WCW vibes. Many new stars, egos, bloated roster. Here's hoping it's okay. Uh, maybe you like it, maybe you won't. But there are certainly some parallels to, to e at WCW, including the fact that they have Chris Jericho on the roster who got beat by Adam Cole tonight in an unsanctioned match that did not get a great crowd reaction. I will say... Um, I think the best use of Sabu's old, dumb, racist ass was to have him put his old, dumb, racist ass <laughs> through a table and then get smooth the hell out of there. And they did. Still, like, I don't like the idea of them using Sabu at all because last month I was at a convention and watched this guy get stretchered out of it. Like, I saw him with my own eyes. I saw RVD nearly in tears over it, concerned over it. And this guy's going out there doing table spots. I think that's so dumb. I think it's bad for all involved. And Sabu's just, you know, some of the stuff that he said, I, I ain't cool with it anyway. So I'm glad they just got him the hell out of there quick. I honestly, I thought that bringing him in was a strange choice in the first place, especially considering he didn't really add, he didn't add much to the match. I mean, he did his entrance. He, you know, hit a little bit of offense here and there and then did the table spot and he was gone. I mean, he didn't really, for me, that didn't really add anything. And I'm, I guess I was sort of confused and, and forgive me if there's something that I'm missing here, Sean, but I, I feel like it was almost just like they brought him in for like the novelty pop and then got him out. But I was like, what is the, the real association between him and Adam Cole, like, what is, what is this relationship? There's none. I was like, what is this relationship about? Like, there's no real story backing up this relationship other than like, oh, Sabu, like he's hardcore, comes and does one spot, leaves. That, to me, it just, other than like the, the initial pop of like, oh my God, Sabu's here. It didn't really mean much to me. I couldn't get into this match. It was very, very difficult for me to get into this match. You know, I like Britt coming out and, and laying yeah. about with the, the, the kendo stick and all that stuff. But this match was very, very tough for me to get into. And it's going to continue because Chris Jericho 
challenged it's set Soraya and Jericho versus Cole and Britt this Wednesday. So this unsanctioned match that, you know, I kind of would see as a blow off, even though they haven't had an extended feud is going to continue on. There were some cool spots in the match. Like yes. I actually like the hammer fist to end it and all that. The Panama sunrise. There were things about it. I like, yes. I just, for some reason, I, and I think it's because the crowd couldn't get into it or didn't yeah. seem to get into it that I struggled to also get into it. I'm not saying that it was a bad match or anything. It's just one that I was like, hmm, I feel like you know, this could, well, maybe it couldn't have been on the first collision. Maybe it would have been a too, little too violent for that, but it was missing something for me. But how did you feel? I agree with that. I do think that part of it was just maybe the placement on the card, maybe the lack of crowd reaction. I think that this match was difficult to place on the card in some regards because you already had anarchy in the arena ending the show and I know we'll talk more about that later but of course you know that that's going to be total chaos and so you can't really have an unsanctioned match that's like backing up too closely to that so it's kind of like where do you put it but then at the same time I think that you know, there's just the, the story behind it and the lack of crowd reaction. It was kind of like, where do you put this on the card where it's not going to feel like kind of a downer after some of the other maybe more exciting things that we have? So I feel like they kind of placed it early to sort of get it out of the way and maybe build up to some of the more exciting things. But I mean, I didn't I, really. Oh, go ahead. Here's Here's a good indication. Like all our super chats, all our humper chats. For this match and the next match, we got zero. Yeah. There ain't nobody wanting to talk about this match. There is nobody that is coming out of this going, yeah, yeah that's what we should be talking about. And I love all the ingredients involved. Like, I yes. like Jeff Jarrett. I like Chris Jericho. But, like, yeah. nobody is talking about these particular matches right here. And this is going to continue, and it's going to keep going. But like, there's there's not too much to say about this. They had a violent match that I think, with everybody looking forward to anarchy in the arena, kind of like you said, I feel like this would have been better served on a different show. Yeah, I think it was too much of that type of match for one show where it's like, yeah, if you can't put them too close together, you need to have like some buffer in between the two. But I just feel like this ended up falling flat as a result of, I guess, a number of different factors. I also just feel like the ending of this match, the TKO ending, it's one of those things where, I mean, you know, I think most fans and most people watching aren't thinking in their mind that that's an option. I mean, I guess techni sure. technically it is an option, but you yeah, kind of, you kind of forget and so when that happens and it sort of feels like a non-ending ending, then it's like a little bit disappointing sometimes too. I actually feel like for the story that they were trying to tell here, I kind of think that it actually made sense to do that ending. But I think with just like how flat the crowd was for this match to then have that type of ending too, it, it just kind of felt like a, a dud by the end. 
This will continue. Uh, we've got Meet Norma saying AW would greatly benefit from running new territories. Not everyone has kissed my grits money in Vegas and Chicago. Spread them out, TK and Will. I don't think Will has a say over that, but uh, <laughs> check out Will. He was on Grapsity today. He made he made a return to gloat about the Denver Nuggets, and rightfully so. And of course, Will is always welcome uh, to appear here at Fightful. But yeah, I think they need to go somewhere different. I think All Out Weekend, they should be somewhere besides Chicago in the future. But uh, maybe with CM Punk coming back this year, it's it's probably a good idea. Uh, we got Danny Dumbshit saying, thanks for keeping us uh, company after the pay-per-view. Well, thank you. MJF is at the podium on the scrum right now saying that uh, he doesn't need to wrestle uh, every week and says that it was asked about why he wasn't the main event. He said, because I don't feel like rolling around in John Moxley's blood. That's why. Big thank you to Adrian Wells for gifting five YouTube memberships. We've been posting some uh, never-before-seen interviews on, on that end of things. So if you want to join, please do. We might do some members-only uh, shows in the future as well. But we got Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal dropping a match to FTR. Now, keep in mind, we had dealt with interference in the unsanctioned match. We'd even dealt with interference in the Battle Royal and all kinds of stuff going on there. There was a whole lot of interference in this match and the Wardlow-Christian Cage match and the Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter match. And then there was some, you know, some swerve booking in, in Jade and Taya. Like, there was a lot of overbooking on this show. But some of it in this match worked because the crowd went from not giving a damn about this match to being there for these overbooked spots where Karen Jarrett hits Aubrey with a goddamn guitar. <laughs> incredible spot. That was incredible. <laughs> I want to know how Sanjay keeps those pencils in his ears while he's running around. Also, somebody said he, somebody said he does ear workouts, which would be great to watch. Can we talk, take a moment to acknowledge the jacket too? His jacket was, amazing. It was great. It was great. Sanjay Dutt, uh, did his job in this match. He had he like did. the Jimmy Hart esque jacket here as he was managing. And then uh, we've got again, Aubrey getting cracked with the guitar was a shocker. That was amazing. But I that mean, also, cool. that would be grounds for AEW to be like, Karen, you're not welcome here. You can't hit referees <laughs> with a guitar. This got better as it went along. But uh, I didn't expect this to go like 20 minutes. If this would have went 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes, I think it would have been looked upon more fondly. But we had a 23-minute battle royal, a 17-minute unsanctioned match, a 20-minute tag team title match. We had a 15-minute six-man tag match that started before that. Like, I think that some of these matches could be better served to go 10 to 15 minutes. I feel like this was one of them because I feel like if they would have actually crammed a lot of this and had less time, it would have been much more fondly received from the start than it was at the end. But I think it is a true testament to these performers how they did get the crowd by the end of this match. I agree with you 100%. I felt that this match started very slow. And... I mean, I love, F we all love FTR. I mean, it's hard for me to not get into an FTR match, but I did feel like it's, and, and it really wasn't anything super specific that I feel like they, I think they did. I feel like there was just maybe a little bit too much time that it took them to really get into like the meat and potatoes of the match. Um, 
I have to say, and I feel like this has been said before, I'm not like the biggest Jay Lethal girl. It's nothing against, like, I think he's a, a strong worker. I just feel like some of his stuff just doesn't necessarily speak to me personally. Um, I love Jeff Jarrett. I think that he looks phenomenal for being 55 years old. And I will say, like, for um, his unbelievable for his for his age i mean he is incredible shape and he still he still moves around very very well i'm very glad that they brought in karen because i do love her as a manager and i think that between her and sanjay i feel like they really helped the crowd out a lot in this match it's kind of funny to me that her name is karen because i feel like she's just like the epitome of being like the perfect karen character um and i i think it's basically like as soon as the guitar spot happened with Aubrey, I feel like things like from that point on kind of really started to pick up. Basically, like as soon as Mark Briscoe got knocked out, I think that, that was that's a gnarly how... guitar shot, too. That yeah. one was incredible. I think basically like as soon as those two things happen, that's when things like really started to pick up for me. Um, and I do also I know we said that this is a, you know, a testament to, to all the performers in this match to take the crowd from like zero to 60 pretty quickly, but also just like the managers were really doing their job because they did. I feel like, you know, managers can really make or break a team. They can really make or break whether or not your, your message and your story gets across and whether or not you really uh, get over with the audience and and get the audience involved in what you're doing. And so I feel like everybody in that spot really did their job well in this match. Yeah, I did too. And again, by the end of this, they had the crowd, but like through these first few matches, it, it did feel like a, a struggle for some of the, for some of the, the, the matches to really like capture that. Now I didn't think there was any chance. I think I went like, Eight and two on predictions. Like a lot of these seemed like foregone conclusions. This was one of those, but still, I thought that they did great work. I'm sure FTR was excited to work uh, with Jeff Jarrett. And then again, those guitar shots were gnarly. But uh, I think it could have went with a few few uh, less minutes. I agree. Wardlow and Christian Cage. This picked up for me. This match just kicked ass and. This is one I didn't even feel like it was 17 minutes. I felt like this one was 10 minutes. Yes. We had a few particular spots that were really, really great and some that made me laugh. One, Wardlow jumping from the top rope to the ladder, but the ladder giving way. Yes. It still, it still did what he was supposed to do, which is prevent Christian. But then he tried to climb that ladder. And as he was setting it up, Julie, I'm like, why is he trying? Why did like, he get a little ladder? I'm like, there's no way this is gonna this is gonna work out for you. None. Arn Anderson gnawed Luchasaurus's thumb off. I think he slipped a little blood capsule. In I, his I mouth, was gonna say the same. There is no way your thumb's bleeding that much. You buddy. you got a steel <laughs> somewhere going. I can't get my job back. <laughs> He's biting people on TV. John Morant is somewhere being like. This guy's waving guns around all the time, and I'm getting suspended. Arn Anderson doesn't get punished for anything. And uh, <laughs> that played into the end of this match where 
he pushes Christian off the ladder into a power bomb from Wardlow. That was beautiful. That amazing I finish. Amazing that I finish. And the other big highlight of this match was Wardlow doing the spawn off the top of the ladder uh, into a, t- a series of tables with Luchasaurus on top of it. This had the right amount of excitement for me. This is one I feel like some of the other matches could have done with, with a little less time and a little less overbooked stuff. And I think this one had just the right amount, Julie. I agree. And I think to speak to what you said before, there were a lot of matches that had run-in spots tonight. And I will say, I do think that that is sometimes a general theme in AEW. I think sometimes they do overbook a little bit with the run-in spots. Like, I remember when Dynamite first started running, there were a number of weeks where I felt like every show just ended in like everybody from the roster coming out and brawling. And so I do think that's a little bit of a theme that maybe they could scale back. But I do think that in this match, this was a match where it did work for me. Um, I loved Wardlow's Swanton spot, especially because you don't necessarily expect those kinds of high-flying spots from somebody his size and so it's kind of cool to see that he has this unique juxtaposition between being like a big body guy but also still being able to do some of the high-flying stuff very effectively and um I also love just in general I feel like last year Wardlow was gaining a lot of momentum he was getting really over we saw like the war daddy the 1-800 war daddy movement really taking off and then I feel like he kind of you know I think it's kind of a roller coaster I feel like he kind of went to like a, a valley as opposed to a peak for a little while and so it was really good just to see him get another opportunity to really be like at the top of the mountain especially because last year at double or nothing that was when we saw the plane ticket of the year incident with MJF. And so Wardlow had this big moment, but at the time it didn't necessarily feel like a big moment to him. And so it was nice to see him get rewarded with like another big moment again this year where he's literally at the top of the ladder with the championship. Yeah. It's and in kayfabe Wardlow should be being like, why am I not getting a world title shot? Like what's, I, I crushed the champion a year ago and our careers went different directions while he sat out and I put in the work. I would love to see something like that explained because right now yes. we don't have that explained. Now they they're both champions. So Fightful Select reported recently, there is a brand split planned. Uh, it is eventually going to be a hard brand split brand split. Uh, talent was told this week, this weekend, it would start off like kind of soft, then ended up, Uh, going to a hard brand split. There's a Blue Chew ad in there somewhere. But uh, champions will be exempt from that. And also there will be like special waivers, transfer portal situations there. But stay locked to FightfulSelect.com. They'll have all that news. But you know what, Julie? What's that, You know what I I love? What's that? NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Do do you know why I love NordVPN.com slash Fightful, Julie? Tell us, Sean. Because 
it doesn't matter where I am, whether I'm in London at the end of next month, whether I'm in Canada for Forbidden Door, whether I'm in Vegas for the 732nd time, <laughs> whether I'm here in Kentucky, NordVPN.com slash Fightful lets me change my virtual location with just one click. You get a great deal. You get 30-day money-back guarantee. And if you're a pay-per-view buyer like me, I buy boxing pay-per-views, bare-knuckle fighting pay-per-views, wrestling, MMA pay-per-views. You want NordVPN.com slash Fightful. You end up saving money with this deal. You can get Fight with uh, the AEW Plus app. That way you can watch AEW without commercials. You can get the old WWE Network interface. You can get shows early. I watch Yellow Jackets five hours early uh, before that finale. All that good stuff with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Some of you are always asking me like, hey, how do I use it? How do I use it? 24-7 tech support. They will help you out. At any time, maybe you want to switch your virtual location to Lithuania and take in some more wrestling than you're able to in your area for a much lower price than what you would normally pay. This pays for itself. It is so worth it. It also blocks pop up ads. I mean, let's be real. There are some sites some of y'all go to that are a little sus. You want to protect yourself. <laughs> you know, you you got you can't just go out there raw on the Internet. You can't be doing that. It's too dangerous. Protect yourself with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Um, this and uh, our other sponsor this evening, I use more than any others that we have. They also have a, a kill switch available on there too. So if your connection drops or if your IP drops, your internet connection will it'll stop. That way you browse safely and securely on the web, especially when you're traveling. You go to airports restaurants, arenas, you don't want your data to get stolen. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Brent Lockman says, Christian, pulling out that combat turtleneck. I love that he wore I was going to mention the that. turtleneck, too. I like that this has Perfect. become an ongoing theme that I feel like the turtleneck has become like an obnoxious part of his look. I saw actually a really good meme online that's like, Christian Cage looks like the type of guy who would like romance your rich aunt and then like take her on vacation and lose her somewhere. And I'm like, I don't know why, like the turtleneck, it just kind of plays into this like sus, like kind of sly guy vibe. And I like that, that now it's just a part of every single outfit that he wears. <laughs> Um, but it's good. He looks pretty darn, darn good, too. And, and it was kind of cool to see him booked in the ladder match, obviously, just given his history being one of the pioneers of the TLC. Um, I do really like how AEW pairs some of their veterans with um, some of their younger stars. I, I've talked about this a lot in the past before, and I, I feel like they do a pretty good job of using the veteran talent to sort of help elevate the younger guys. And I feel like this was sure. probably a good example of that. Uh, MJF did confirm his wrist got hurt in the main event. He also said that uh, Nick Khan and Triple H want him to come work for uh, them. So we'll be talking about that more as well. Irene says, Jeff Jarrett and Lethal getting this much TV time and pay-per-view matches shouldn't be happening with who else is on the roster right now. I keep them on ROH. I would do for a while. I think yeah. them heading to ROH would be beneficial for all involved, including ROH. I think they could stand to use some Jarrett and Lethal. 
D'Lo Diggs, our friend who won a couple championships recently, said to me, double or nothing had a few ups, tons of down. Yeah, d- that that last hour and a half, I, I really enjoyed. But another one of these overbooked messes, unfortunately, was Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter. Uh, we had been reporting on this situation over the last week and a half on FightfulSelect.com. Just $5. Go ahead and subscribe. You guys will love it. I promise. Jamie Hayter's been hurt. She wasn't cleared a couple weeks ago. We said it was touch and go this week, and I had noted on Fightful's post show on AEW, and a lot of people, a lot of people picked up on the on the not so subtle hint, and they're like, "What are you talking about, Sean? What do you know?" When I said first that AEW's women's division would look completely different one week later, and then I said wrestling in general's women's division would look a lot different because. I didn't know what was going on, but I had some people say there were some shakeups towards WWE. Oscar won. You got Zoe in a, in a prime spot now. But over in AEW, Jamie's probably taking some time off to, to heal up. She's banged up. Jade, we broke on FightfulSelect.com, likely to take time off. But now Tony and Chris Statlander are champions. We're going to get to Tony first. Because they went into this and there was no way that Jamie Hayter was going to be able to work a regular match, unfortunately. But I feel like because we saw so much of this all over the show that this was put in an unfortunate spot where it's like, oh, more overbooked stuff. All right, here we go. Here's them attacking again. I am glad that at least Britt came out and Hikaru Shida came out. Like you had people trying to help Jamie and Jamie did put up a fight under normal circumstances. She would have won Julie, but her arm gave out on her. But to me, I was like, okay, you got to get the belt on Tony because Jamie's hurt. But still the overbooked aspect of this, at this point, I was just like enough already. I agree. I didn't, this was one of those things that I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, I understand that there were logistical reasons why they had to get the belt on to Tony. Um, but I, I think it does make me question a little bit because they had to get the belt on Tony. How are they now going to use this to continue some sort of a long-term story that's going to make sense by the time they get to Wembley? Because I think that they need to be very strategic about who they put in big spots for that show. And I'm wondering if at some point, if, now that Tony's the champion, is this going to lead to some sort of disintegration or some sort of disagreement within the outcasts where maybe they could turn somebody and maybe get Soraya in a different spot by the time they get to Wembley so that they're booking people who are going to get big reactions there? I think that's going to happen. I I was told, and we were reported on FightfulSelect.com, that when Jamie is ready and good to go, that she will be back in the title picture in the main event uh, level thing. And it makes too much sense. And that was part of the story, was that Jamie is trying to get to All In so she can compete near home. And Tony was like, I'm not letting that happen. I'm going to do everything that I can to make that not able to happen. Um. I was just, I'm just so sick of running, 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 especially on pay-per-view. I would, I would love like a bit of a reset. And what you can say is, Hey, if you want to run in, all right, you're getting fined. So here's the amount that's going to happen. And the wrestler gets part of their winning bonus 
or, or the wrestler doesn't get their win bonus as a result of that, because this is all supposed to be about money. And I would yes. love a little bit of a, a psychological reset because I think the refs really get buried here. Um, I agree with that. It makes the, if, if it happens too many times, it's one thing if you have some sort of strategic distraction and something happens behind the ref's back. But I feel like when you have too many of these run-ins or you have, if you have too many spots where like, they just kind of disregard uh, tag team rules. I feel like we've seen that happen a number of times where they kind of flip flop back and forth where you don't know, are you doing a regular tag match or is this supposed to be tornado tag? It can make the referees look a little bit incompetent. And one other thing that I wanted to add in regards to this specific match, I don't even necessarily mind, like I don't mind that they brought in Brit and I don't, mind that they brought in Hikaru Shida because I feel like there was a while a long period of time where we didn't see Shida at all and I like that they're starting to feature her in more of a prominent spot again especially considering I feel like she was one of the OGs in this company that like really made the women's championship what it is um however I will say I don't know that I necessarily like the way that they're they're booking these teams like the way that they have the outcasts all wearing like the matching jackets and they're doing the spray paint thing it just feels a little bit amateur to me like I think that they could all be a really cool faction I like the fact that they're all together I just don't necessarily love the way that they're going about it I'm with you there I am certainly with you there uh, Ryan says, hey, Sean, the more returns uh, soon. UT's been talking about AEW and WWE's women's division. Was that teasing more WWE returns? Well, I, it's more teasing a lot of changes that are happening. I mean, FightfulSelect.com also broke this weekend that Jordan Grace's deal is up with Impact Wrestling, and she's taking time off. She spoke with FightfulSelect.com directly. But how about this? FightfulSelect.com will have some more news on what I teased this week. How about that one? So get those subscriptions in. Well worth the five bucks, my friends. House of Black defeated Daddy Ass and the Acclaimed. Uh, this was one that, what was the house rule? What, what did they pick? Was it no rule? I guess they just, uh, what I got from it was like, we don't need any. I hate that. Need, like, I was kind of, well, I was kind of like, why bother Yeah. even off? that if you're just going to disregard it. it yeah kind of I don't know that it. yeah I mean I just don't know that it really did anything to add or take away to, like I feel like they could have just said these are the rules yeah. period you don't uh, get I to make your own <laughs> House of Black are really going above and beyond to specialize in trios tag yes. team wrestling like it is it's great to see them do that from a psychological standpoint and you know why the acclaimed are there. They're there to get the pops, and they're there for what Max Caster says. He says that Malachi Black is in blackface. But the one that everybody's talking about was him saying that Buddy Matthews was getting cucked by a kid named Dominic. Damn. Um, I don't know how he'll ever top that one. That one's going to be tough to beat. He's had some great one-liners these past several months but i actually i do love that like between what's going on with ria and dom and wwe and what's actually happening with ria and buddy in real life i like that there's actually like some cross company acknowledgement of that 
And there is like an acknowledgement of the humor surrounding that. I think that that's pretty cool because yeah. also like quick side note, like we see so much like weird tribalism in yeah, wrestling absolutely. these days where it has to be like, either you love WWE or you love AEW. And I'm like, why can't we just all be friends? So I, yeah, I, kinda, I, I, <laughs> I like, I like that there's just like a fun cross company acknowledgement of that. And that, you know, they're, they kind of, poke fun at it on both sides, whether it's at the WWE Hall of Fame or whether it's in this rap. I think it's all in good fun and I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I do too. Like as long as it's in good spirit. Yes. Um, I think that that it's it's okay. And that's what I saw this as was Yes. And all all good fun and all that stuff. Like I, I thought this was very, very harmless. But uh, the match itself was pretty good. I really liked the straight ankle lock that Malachi Black did out of the leg drop from from Anthony Bowens. It reminded me a lot of when Brett would catch people in the leg drop and do a sharpshooter to them. That was cool. Broadway Joe says house rules should have been if House Black wanted to win, but he needs to admit Dominic is his daddy (laughs) first. Or Malachi had to do the scissor me daddy. Give me something. Oh, that was fun. It would have been. You know what he should have done? He could have done the spin kick to, like, if you say that he's got a scissor daddy ass before he he wins, well, he could knock him out, pick up his hand, and then sarcastically do it. That would have been fun. That would have been fun. I do love there was the one spot where Malachi did his classic, like, crisscross applesauce, and then Mm -hmm. Anthony Bowen's... (laughs) sat across from him and started doing the scissors. I thought that that was fun. And um, it was fun to see, even though um, House of Black retained, which I did think was the right move. I like that they're giving them so much momentum right now, especially considering the contributions that that they're making to the trios division. I think that there was something yeah. fun um, just in the concept of the, the, the fact that the acclaimed and daddy ass were competing as a trio and that there was a possibility that they could win the trios champions championships altogether with daddy ass actually like being a title holder. I think that there was something kind of fun about the concept of that, even though it didn't happen, it added an element of excitement when you saw them all come out. Cause you're kind of, you're wondering, you know, who's going to answer the open challenge. Who's it going to be? And then you see that it's them and you know, they're so over with the crowd and, I I think that that was a well played opportunity. Um, anytime you have something like that where there's an open challenge and you, you want to get a good pop and a good response, and you're not bringing in some sort of outside surprise, I thought that that was a good choice. Yeah, uh, I think that the acclaimed and Billy Gunn are natural like picks to compete for these titles. And that's what I like about the trios titles. Like when somebody is sort of cycled out of singles or tag team action, you've got a lot of marquee talent that can fit into that trios division, whether it be BCC, the elite, uh, the Yas team or, or these guys. And they, they add some value to, to the division. So I was, I was, Really happy to see them do that. Brent Lotwin says, feels like the story was the acclaim showed up, didn't pick a rule, goofed off, then found out. Room to make it a feud. I don't know. I think it was pretty decisive. I think it was pretty decisive that they lost. But uh, if they we saw more of this, it'd be like, okay. But 
They they definitively lost. They had the opportunity. House of Black isn't there to to just screw around. So I mean, they don't they don't care. They're just like, no, move on. Let's do something else. Yeah, and I think there's also like you said, there's so much opportunity for different combinations of people to compete in the trios division that I don't really think they need to run this back because I feel like there's so many other interesting avenues that they could explore instead. Yeah. Yeah, we've got uh, Parker Hines saying up and down pay-per-view for me. Favorite part, cucked by a dude named Dominic. Oh, yeah. Well, we had some pretty, uh, a pretty big happening on this show. Jade Cargill is no longer the AEW TBS champion. FightfulSelect.com minutes after had the report that Chris Statlander has been good to go for quite a bit been working out in the ring and that jade as of right now or as of this past week was scheduled to take a little time off now i'll have more on some of the plans on her coming this week on fightfulselect.com but i think that she and taya had a pretty decent match before then the the sliding german suplex really like was it was nice there were some spots that i felt like again we had more interference again yes. of course but there were some spots where I felt like Taya had to wait around, like wait around on the interference and stuff, and it didn't help her out. But I bought the Road to Valhalla as a finish. I was like, oh my God, because yeah. I had just found out that Chris Statlander was backstage in her gear. And I'm like, well, what's she doing back there? Like, right. literally, I wouldn't have had time to write a story. <laughs> I had time to write, like, piece together what I knew about her coming back imminently and then Jade taking time off. But I was like, oh my God, are they going to switch the title right here and then move it to to Chris Statlander? I bought that finish, but then Jade turns wow. around and gets the win. What did you think of the first match? So I was actually very pleased with this match because I think in all of these TBS championship matches that Jade has had, there have been a lot of squash matches. There have been a lot of uh, matches on Rampage and whatnot with people coming in who are not actually signed to AEW under any sort of full contract where you know that it's just kind of like another match to to keep building up Jade and keep putting her over. Um, and I even feel like some of the previous pay-per-view matches that she's had for the championship kind of felt like afterthoughts, like they didn't really feel like they had a lot of a, a thick story leading up to them. This was like one of the few matches for the championship where I actually felt like, number one, I felt like there was some sort of story that had led up to this for some period of time beforehand. And number two, I actually see Taya Valkyrie as being somebody who could legitimately take the belt off of her. And so I felt like this was one of the few matches that I've seen for the championship on pay-per-view where I was like, okay, like they're actually going to invest some time in this. And I, I felt like she was someone who could bring the absolute best out of Jade. I mean, I think I love Jade in so many regards. I think that she has the absolute look of a star, um, but she hasn't been doing this for very long. And so I think that it's important 
to have her paired with someone who has a lot of experience and can really like work with her to get the absolute best match out of her possible. And so I feel like this was definitely one of her better showings. And then by having Chris come out afterwards and kind of accept this open challenge, number one, it's a big comeback moment for Chris who looks phenomenal. And I've seen her, um, you know, just working out in the gym on Instagram for so many months. And she looks like she's in the best shape that she's been in in a long time. And it's just great to see her back. But then also, you don't really bury Jade because she had one full length match already. And this is the second match of the night. So for her to lose the second match to somebody coming back as opposed to losing the first match, it's like, she has more of a reasonable excuse to be tired out and not at a hundred percent at that point. So I feel like you're, you're leaving her and letting her take her time off without really making her look weak. And then you're giving Chris her big moment, which was well, really cool to see. Yeah. Let's get into to that aspect of it. Chris Statlander makes her return because Mark Sterling says that Jade is 60 and oh, and she's willing to take on, anybody anytime chris statlander comes out and they do the damn thing and i i know there will be some people and understandably so that say yeah but shouldn't this have had a build yeah but shouldn't this have had uh shouldn't this have had a a clean win one-on-one i get it and i completely hear you and i understand it but i think it worked out really really well how it happened They needed something to get this crowd off their asses. And this did it. This, this worked exactly as designed by AEW. Chris Statler, Chris Statler came out. They had a short match. She won like, and it was like 48 seconds long. And now whenever Jade comes back, there's always going to be that in the back of back of her mind. You'll always be able to run that back. And I know that, that people are like, oh, well, maybe you do a longer feud. I, I'm i not in disagreement with you there. But I think the way that they did it was a special moment. And you immediately put the title on Statlander. She's always got that that accomplishment. You, you, you run with it while it happens. And um, I think that they did the right thing here. Even though I completely get where people who might not agree with it come from, Julie. I agree. I mean, you generally speaking, you always look to these pay-per-view matches as having some sort of like a long-term story build up behind them. But I think for me, it worked in the sense that, like you said, it's nice to have a comeback, a surprise like that, that really gets the crowd going, especially tonight when I feel like they really needed it. But then also like Jade has this incredible winning streak and she's also just like, a very tall, very physically fit woman where like you need someone who's kind of who looks like they're somewhat comparable to her in order to beat her. Um, And so I think the fact that it was Chris, it was someone who was an original to the company who was already very over with the fans, um, who is a believable competitor for Jade. And also just the fact that like, like I had said previously, this wasn't her first match. So I feel like she had more of an excuse to take the the pinfall as opposed to if this was her only match of the night, having Chris come out and beat her in that, in that fashion. Um, 
I, I just feel like it it doesn't make either person really look bad. And Jade's someone who's such a star, you don't want to book her in such a way that undermines her previous title reign. We've got N. Simmons saying, right woman beat Jade, but I thought it was the wrong way to do it. Chris didn't look strong. She beat a tired champ. Chris needs straight bangers to look like a credible champ. I don't think that it made Chris look bad. I just think it leaves you with the question mark of, is she really as good as Jade type of thing? Mm -hmm. uh, Rory Bison says, we knew Chris was winning when she came back. It was long-term booking because we were waiting her, on her injury to heal. Yeah, but I mean, that was a lot of online speculation. Like, I agree that she was constantly a name that was brought up in our Q&As and the like about possibly doing that. But there wasn't like an on-screen story or anything. Jason Parolo says, big fan of all you do. Thanks for all the hard work. Well, thank you so much, Jason. And we are heading to the two main events. Get your Super Chats. Get your Humper Chats in. It doesn't appear that there's been uh, a ton of note. Uh, on the scrum so far tony khan has not went up as of yet i mean he's been there but um <laughs> tony storm said i'll slap the tits right off her chest about jade cargill yikes uh probably a good thing she is taking time off then <laughs> but uh <laughs> congrats to tony storm and congrats to the 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 couple of sammy guevara and ty mellow ty guevara now what a way to unveil that you're having a child. I thought this was very, very cool. Um, I saw somebody said, man, they're so desperate for Sammy to be a baby face that made him have a kid. <laughs> uh, but uh, Ty has been out for a while. Originally, she had been out due to a back protrusion, but now we know why. It is very, very cool to see this. Congratulations to the couple. But... Um, Rory Bison sent us a great, generous super chat before our show went on the air, and I wanted to thank him. He says, Four Pillars match was an instant classic. MJF was better than everyone, and we know it. Chris Statlander coming back was pure goosebumps. It's a shame Ibushi couldn't be there to round out the final main event. Best pay-per-view of the weekend, Night of Champions, was great, too. Well, this Four Pillars match, Rory, I agree with you. It was an instant classic. A lot of people often forget um, that MJF is as good as he is. And we saw that tonight, Julie. This was exactly what I thought it would be. Fast-paced, nonstop, breakneck speed. A lot of what AEW had really leaned on to be like, hey, we're different. Yes. And first of all, I was very excited about the general concept of this match in the first place, even before we saw anything, partially because I feel like in the past, AEW has gotten a lot of criticism. And this was even mentioned earlier in the show tonight for sort of being like a second coming of WCW. And yeah. I, I think leaning on leaning on these four, though was the right idea because you're saying okay maybe all these people have had different paths here but they are all top level talent exactly i feel like for me the thing that i really loved about this was they were straying away from all of the veteran talents that they had paired a lot of these people with and they're finally just bringing in these four original guys to 
to put on a show together. And I think that it was really refreshing just to see them leaning on these young rising stars to, to carry the show without any, without any veteran weight. That was really cool for me, especially because a lot of these guys are very, very young. I mean, MJF, I think is 27 and Darby's maybe late twenties going on 30. They're all like mid late twenties at best. And so um, these are all really, really young guys. And these are the future of the company right here. Uh, For me, there were a lot of really fun spots all throughout the match. I think there was, um, there was one spot that stood out to me was the pinning combination that Darby and um, Jungle Boy were all a part of together. And that was really cool. Um, And I also just thought that the ending was like the perfect chef's kiss MJF. With the, with with the, the uh, headlock takeover, which Darby, yes. after he after he did the coffin drop, he picks up MJF. I go, what the hell is he doing? And then he tried to do it. I love that. Again, the pinning combinations into pinning combinations into pinning combinations were so cool. The uh, spot into the Canadian Destroyer was really good, but I also loved a lot of the challengers using moves that their mentors taught them as well. Uh, we saw that story play out as well. But we are starting to see Jack Perry get more and more of an edge. I'm waiting for this turn to happen because MJF this whole time has said, you could be what I am. You could be every bit as good as me if you would just embrace this and and do what I did. And he he doesn't make any bones about it. He doesn't try to to minimize Jack Perry's talent whatsoever. He just says, Listen, there's just a way that you got to go about it and you won't do it. This match was exactly what I needed it to be. It had lofty expectations and and it delivered. Anthony says, found this pay-per-view weird at time with some booking choices, but still had fun with this show. That four pillars match was a banger. The main event says first time chat. The show was great. Four wave is an all-timer. They really need to go somewhere else though because that crowd wasn't great at all. I agree with all of that. I think that the four pillars match was everything that I wanted it to be. And I need this crowd to be somewhere else. But by this point of the night, Chris Statlander brought the crowd up. They they were like, yes. hell yeah, let's enjoy this show, Julie. Yes. And I do think that one thing that I, that I would have preferred, I was fully going in expecting this to be like the main, main event. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about anarchy in the arena afterwards. I think logistically, after the fact, it made sense to me that anarchy in the arena closed the show. Um, Just seeing what an absolute chaotic mess (laughs) of the entire arena it was going to make. I said, okay, I I see why they put that last. But I think for me, the ending of this match was so classic perfect MJF that I would have felt better seeing that close the show. And I also just felt like it would have paid better tribute to the fact that it was a match featuring all of these original up and coming stars. That was really the only thing that I would nitpick about it. Um, I mean, I, I loved the spot, like you had said, where we kind of saw Jack Perry stewing a little bit when he was holding the AEW 
world championship and he was kind of like having this moment of like do i want to go this way and of course he did the baby face thing to do which is he threw the title belt away and then that kind of ended up wasting some of his time you know going into the the next spot but i think that they're planting seeds for more potential stories in the future um and i just thought the cop the coffin drop onto the title belt into the headlock takeover that was just the the tie-in to darby's previous comment to me just made that the perfect ending we got mario judas saying last two matches made the pay-per-view they were amazing i agree uh mjf is constantly re just reaffirming that he's must watch on pay-per-view whether it be like what the hell is he gonna do or is he coming back or is he winning the title or it can he go 60 minutes with brian danielson to look at this match like he has done so many different things on pay-per-view over the last year uh, and he is every time i feel like he surprises me with something a little bit different like we've seen all of all of the ways in which mjf can i don't want to say necessarily cheat but sometimes cheat but finagle his way into winning the match um and, and for, for some reason, it never gets old to me because he's like always finding different ways to do it, to make it sort of poetic it, as part of the story. And I think that this was just a perfect, perfect example of Darby making the headlock takeover comment and then incorporating the belt and using that comment against him. Um, I just... I feel like I've said this before. I feel like we still haven't seen everything that MJF is capable of yet. And the fact that he doesn't wrestle all of the time, I feel like it just makes it even more special when you do finally get to watch him on pay-per-view and you have to see him live up to his word. It it makes it feel like a bigger event. It makes it feel like you're seeing something that doesn't happen very often as opposed to if we got to see him wrestle on TV every week and it would kind of take away some of that novelty factor. So I overall was very happy with this match and I feel like it's just a great opportunity to elevate every single person in the match. And I think it also continues to set up a good story probably between Jungle Boy and MJF in the future, which is definitely something that I would like to see more of. We got uh, Chad saying, can you see Taya joining the outcasts now? I could. I, I could. There's a lot of things I could see, but I could see the outcasts completely imploding now as well. Yeah, I would I would rather not see the outcasts grow anymore personally, just based on some of the previous comments that I had made. It's, it's not even the fact that I don't like them together as a stable. Like, I think that they all have things in common that could make yeah. them really cool as a stable. I just don't really like the way that they're going about it. I feel like there was maybe a, a way that they could have made them cooler. And, and, and to me, it just feels a little bit like too gimmicky right now. Well, I'll tell you something that we all have in common, something that can make you cooler, something that isn't too gimmicky. Helixsleep.com slash Fightful. Right now, you get 25% off 
any purchase for a limited time. Use the code FIGHTFUL. Plus, each mattress order comes with two free dream pillows. These have helped me so much. I'm about to sing the praises. But they have mattresses that cool you down, mattresses that align your spine, even mattresses for plus-size sleepers. It's comfort designed for everybody. Here's my favorite thing. In 2020, during the pandemic, I needed to improve my quality of sleep. I was actually working more than ever because we had one of the, the few jobs where we worked from home. I wanted to improve my quality of sleep, but I didn't want to go to a mattress store. However, if you're going to make the type of investment in yourself that Helix uh, provides, you, you want to make sure you're getting the right thing. You take their online questionnaire, you're matched with the right model for you. I got the Dusk Lux model. Mm -hmm. I went from just being a back sleeper to being a back and a side sleeper. And that means that I'm staying asleep a lot longer at night. It means I'm getting a better night's rest and a better night's sleep. I've mentioned before, I broke my neck uh, about 12 years ago. These Helix Dream Pillows really helped me out. They're one of the first pillows that I've been able to find that keep me comfortable, that wake up and I don't I, I don't have any neck pain or anything uh, of that sort. So helixsleep.com slash Fightful. Make sure you guys check this out. Don't settle for the average mattress, whether it's soft or firm. Maybe you need more support. Maybe you get hot at night. Find the right mattress, not the average one. They have thousands of five-star reviews, uh, good housekeeping, named them the best bedding, uh, best mattress for couples in their best bedding awards. GQ Home Awards had them as the best overall mattress for 2022. Wired had them as the best overall mattress. And you know Fightful has them as the best overall mattress. I know it's an investment, but you get a 100-night sleep trial to test out your mattress if you don't like it. They will come and get it for you. But it also delivers straight to your house. Free U.S. shipping, no contact delivery, and they have financing available as low as 0% and a 10 to 15-year warranty. This is a no-brainer. Helped me out so much. It's how I stay youthful and exuberant. I love Helix. that for you, Sean. <laughs> Helixsleep.com slash Fightful. DDM says four pillars saved this pay-per-view crowd. Wasn't the best, but to be fair, the beginning of this pay-per-view didn't give them a lot to work with. I agree. Like after Chris brought the crowd back, I felt like it was very, very important to uh, have a banger of a match after that. And they did, but Oh man, uh, you want to talk about a banger of a match. It happened with anarchy in the arena right before that. N Simmons says, funny thing is it's Sammy and Ty. I thought this was a troll setting up a spot when she didn't come out. I was very happy for them. Yeah. I mean, it would have been kind of funny if it was a swerve and she actually helped him, but it worked out for the best and anarchy in the arena worked out for the best. I love it. It is the perfect type of absolute mess. Um, we, we have the elite come out. We have uh Blackpool combat club. There's, there's positives and negatives. I like that the band played throughout all this. However, as Fid McAwesome says, the band's blackface makeup after Max's line in his rap. Yeah. And I had people say, Oh, well, it was a mask. It doesn't matter. It's too close for me to be comfortable with. I ain't trying to see all that. But Brent Lockman says, Hey, this is cool. They're still playing. Oh, they're still going. They're still going. Are they chained to the stage? Should someone <laughs> check on that? Well, they got the lead singer got super kicked and actually took it very well. Got that dumbass mask super kicked off of him. 
I like them playing the music through the beginning of this. It gives me New Jack vibes. They did this a little bit last year, but I thought it was a good approach. I was going to say the same exact thing. I think that they did that on purpose. I actually think Chris Jericho, if I remember correctly, I think that he had commented on that previously, saying that they had done that on purpose. And I was going to make the same comment about how it was kind of like an old school New Jack sort of vibe. And actually, I loved at some point on commentary when Don Callis was like, this is great music. (laughs) Just like randomly in the middle of the match. I I love Don Callis. I think that he adds a lot to any team that he manages. But see, I have very mixed feelings about this match because number one, number one, I originally wasn't crazy about the fact that it was going to be after the four pillars match. I understand why they did it logistically because everything was just such a mess at that point that like there was no, there was no coming back from that. Um, I think once they started like really tearing things apart all throughout the arena, I was like, okay, this really didn't need to be last for logistical reasons. And I thought that there were a lot of really fun spots throughout the match. Like they definitely got very creative all throughout the match. I love um, seeing the elite all working together. I feel like it's kind of classic young buck style where um, most matches that they're in like this, it's kind of like so much, they do so much. It's like they throw everything in the kitchen sink into their match that by the end, you kind of just feel like, so much happened and it's kind of a lot to go back and process. And I feel like this was kind of classic young bucks in that sort of way. I personally have to say the ending of this match did not do it for me. I think that for me, this was the ending with Wheeler Yuta. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We're we're going to work to it. I'm having a hard time with the ending, but we'll we'll get there. (laughs) Sam Stuckey says, Cody should have won. Pillars should have gone on last. Again, from a logistical standpoint, they couldn't have. Uh, There would have been too much stuff all over the ring, blood everywhere. It would have been tough. Broadway Joe said somebody called them the Blackface Combat Club. Oh, no. Well, Rick Knox got busted open. Uh, there was an exploding super kick. That was crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that JM, was fun. <laughs> JM Malagrito says, I want to delete the anarchy match from my memory. Not me. But Dustin says, am I just not a wrestling fan anymore? Or was that exploding super kick not the stupidest thing ever? What was even the <laughs> kayfabe explanation? He has superpowers. What? The kayfabe explanation. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter if he had superpowers. We physically saw it happen. So it doesn't matter how he made it happen. He did make it happen. Like, I guess all that is just to your imagination. But to me, like, I don't need a kayfabe explanation for that. He put something on his shoe that made it explode. Like, that's I'm completely fine with that. Douglas Johnson says the dysfunctional melodramatic uh, melodramatic family versus the the BCC, even though he said the BBC, was fun. (laughs) And the text spot on that made my feet hurt. Yes. So they put tacks on the ground. Matt's got his Jordans off and they put his bare foot into the thumbtack. Also, anytime I see them put thumbtacks in someone's mouth. I don't like that spot. Close your mouth. Just do this. They can't force your mouth open. That always worries me every time I see that. Mm. Um, So I... 
I I appreciate what they're I feel like this was just like a uh, also so, somewhat of like a classic John Moxley will just like do anything under the sun sure. in, in a match like this. Um I feel like this was kind of classic Mox in that way. I did think it was a little weird when they had like the big double or nothing chip and it just like conveniently had barbed wire on the back of it. I was kind of yeah. wondering about the the ex what's the explanation behind what? that but i guess it doesn't really mean an explanation i'll tell you the spot that had me questioning when moxley is taking spots on the barbed wire and glass and like one tenth of the arena even sees it i'm like all right but i love the chaos of all this i, I love do too i think the chaos of it is fun um for me there were a lot of chaotic spots that Maybe I questioned. I mean, the exploding super kick. I could even, I could even kind of get behind because I know that they had at some point like different electrical wires and things in the ring. So I'm like, okay, well, like maybe something was configured in such a way where that happened. And I thought it had kind of like fun entertainment value. Um, so there were a lot of spots like that that I said, all right, like for the for the entertainment value, this is this is chaotic. Yeah. This is fun. Anytime that they go out into the concourse and people kind of get to gather around and see when um, Claudio did the swing into the garbage it's can, can. Yeah. I thought that was fun. And um, it just, again, adds to the overall feeling of chaos and and they're just everywhere in the arena. But like you said, there is kind of like a little bit of a give and take because like you you have the fun aspect of all of the chaos but then at the same time you have a lot of people doing really crazy spots where how much is it really going to be seen is the camera crew going to capture it i mean i have to give a lot of props to this camera crew for being able to follow all of this and capture all of it as well as they do because i mean i can only imagine capturing all of this throughout the arena in real time probably has to be extremely challenging. I was totally on board with this match up until the end. I love the end. Let's talk about it. Okay. Takeshita shows up. Uh, he had been, so the, they do have a similarly sized cameraman there at all times that is dressed like that. But Takeshita was able to sneak through and he attacks Kenny Omega as he's trying to attack Don Callis and Wheeler Yuta gets the pin on Kenny Omega in the main event of double or nothing. Warhammer says, can't believe I called him pinning the elite. And Sam says, who predicted Yuta pinning Omega to end a pay-per-view happening in 2023? Well, Warhammer did says that match was everything carnage, blood, expo uh, exploding super kicks and an elevated a couple young lions in Takeshita and Yuta. Real graps. Bizarro Big L says people complain about the finish tonight. Obviously never saw that Don has been recruiting Takeshita for months on end. The pillars rock. Hope hater heals soon. Statlander return made me pop in the theater. And Arn will be your stepdad too. He's RJ Cities now. Says he just loves wrestling. So what didn't you like about the finish? So I guess the two things that I didn't like. Number one. I guess we we've seen we've seen some ongoing storytelling with Takeshita. I actually I really like Takeshita. I think that um, he's a very very talented technical wrestler, and I I believe it was the the match that he had 
against Daniel Bryan several months ago. That was one one time when I looked at him. I really said, okay, I mean, he's getting in there with Daniel Bryan and they're doing a lot of really clean looking, very technical transitions all throughout their match. I, I like him and I respect him as a competitor. I think the thing that didn't work for me in this particular spot is when you have like a big reveal of a character like that hooded character, you really want them to have a big crowd reaction. You want it to have a, yeah. a big effect. And so for me, Takeshita just doesn't have the star power or the notoriety amongst a wider audience where having that sort of unveiling really has like a large impact. If you if you know Takeshita, if you like his work, yeah, I could I could see where they were telling that story, but to me for a main in the main event it just felt a little bit underwhelming. And I will say when it comes to Wheeler Yuta, I just feel like, again, I think that he's somebody that has a lot of potential. But if you look at what he's doing now versus like some of the character work that I had seen him do previously on the indies, I kind of feel like they're not tapping into his full potential. I feel like for me, his character comes across as being very dry and a bit underwhelming. And so... For me to see him take the win tonight over someone like Kenny Omega, it felt a little bit disappointing. I think if they build Wheeler Yuta up in a different way, um, he it, it could have worked more for me. For example, when he was going through sort of like the brief program that he had with MJF, I was looking back and there was a lot of stuff that Wheeler Yuta and MJF had done years ago on the independent scene that was actually pretty entertaining and i felt like they didn't really tap into any of that on tv and so for me i just feel like his character has come across as kind of dry and it's okay if not everybody has like a super gimmicky character some people like daniel bryan or like claudio they're more like the super serious work rate guy where they don't necessarily have like all of this character work on top of that. But for me, seeing someone like Wheeler Yuta who doesn't have that veteran factor, I guess I'm kind of grasping at straws trying to figure out I mean, why. I think this was, I think this was to give them that credibility. I mean, Takeshita has been involved with Don. Don Callis has been actively recruiting Takeshita for months. We've seen yes. him involved with Kitty Omega. This was to put them on that level to, and, Wheeler Yuta has been on a tear since he lost to Shibata, but uh, like, cause I mean, he's been winning on the Indies. He's been winning an ROH, been winning on AEW. It wasn't until this past week when the Bucks cost him that match that, that he finally lost. But I think this is the way for Blackpool combat club to go. Okay. You're pulling your own weight. This isn't a, you're a young boy for us now. This is now, now Takeshita is now right. Takeshita is the new guy involved with Blackpool combat club. And he did bleed with them. They made him bleed. And that's, that's their prerequisite. Yes. To me, this is the slam dunk way to get Kota Ibushi evolved, involved in this storyline. And with Takeshita, I think the crowd reaction said it all. And anybody who was watching this and didn't know him, they're like, 
well, I probably should know him. And they should know him because he's going to be one of these guys for the next 15 years. We got yes. Duckman saying, I think the camera direction could have been tighter. That's my one and only gripe about anarchy in the arena. Yeah, it, it's a lot chaotic. It's, it's chaotic. So I would love for them to do director's cuts of this. I'd love for them to do versions that follow particular talent around as well. I think that would be kind of cool. That would be smart. Josh Leon says Statlander comes back. Yuta gets the pin in the main event. Statlander in the back saying your finisher still sucks. <laughs> well, I felt like tonight was a very, very important night for AEW to be like, Hey, yeah, we're bringing back Miro on Andrade and house of black is back in the fold and punk's coming back. But these four pillars are AEW originals. Wheeler Yuta is an AEW original. Uh, Takeshita is now an AEW original. Like these are homegrown people for them, and I feel like that is very, very important. In Simmons, Takeshita in Omega is going to go crazy as well. And we have yeah. a couple more super chats. Uh, Zach Schimmel says, "Almost two years on the membership, as well as this good wrestling tonight. Best four way match ever. Best AEW match ever. Anarchy was good. Crowd was bad." I agree. And Dustin says, I watched this with guys who used to do backyard wrestling. And even they were like, what the hell are some of these spots? Not in a good way. <laughs> Buddy, I don't think any of us that did backyard wrestling in our day have any room to talk. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Ryan for sending in the $3 super chat. Really quickly before uh, we wrap up, I do want to go through uh, some of the some of the uh, to, uh, the sorry, the Tony Khan media call or media scrum answers as well. So I'm going to pull those up really quick. He's asked about all in where it's going to be broadcast. And if all out would be in Chicago right now, it is still on, on the schedule for Chicago, but Tony has said that they have to, to respect their, their broadcast partners in announcing that he did confirm that the deal for collision matches up with the deal for Rampage and Dynamite as far as length goes. Uh, Tony runs down the matches and praises them instead of addressing the crowd reactions that he's asked about. And he pointed out the things that did have the big reactions. Um, there uh, is also uh, Tony answering about, uh, he say, says, just talks generically about how things are in a great mode. These are from Trevor Dame, by the way, who's doing a good job tweeting these, but uh, now we're about to head off. You guys can uh, check out the scrum afterwards. But Julie, tell the people where they can find you and what you're up to. So I am most active on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter at the moment, um, but you can follow me on Instagram. I share a lot of wrestling content there. It's at the crown jewels crown is with an E at the end. It's the old English spelling. That's just how we roll. And my next live appearance will be coming up on Sunday, June 11th. I will be with the wrestling Federation of America in Concord, New Hampshire. For those of you who don't know the WFA started up in 2004 and it is now being reborn and so if you are a wrestling fan in the northeast this is going to be the place to be come and join us the weekend of the 10th and the 11th in southern new hampshire i will be there guys fightfulselect.com it's the most direct way to support us uh we're gonna have scoops there all week uh there was some stuff that i was gonna release this weekend and it got pushed back because we got some other scoops Man, we got so much going on, over 9,000 of you. And uh, 
right now we got Alex and Kate over on uh, Fightful Select, and they're doing their review as well. So make sure you guys check that out in case we just didn't give you enough. They got more. My God, it's been a long, long weekend. A month from now, I will be in London for Money in the Bank. We got a lot of stuff coming your way, guys. I want to thank our uh, our moderator, Luis, for doing just an incredible job. And uh, he's, he's just, he's always here. He always uh, keeps this breakneck speed that we got going on. And I just want to thank him so much because he does such a great job. Uh, we have benefited so much from having him. We love having Julie here as well. Guys. Thank you so much. I love being until, here. <laughs> we love having you. Until next time, guys, we're out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.